You know, I heard one of these gainsayers the other day talking about, uh, I'm not sure it was the song that we just finished singing or if it was another song, but saying, that's not scriptural, bankrupted heaven. And I thought, well, you old snotty thing, you. You don't understand that God gave his all when he gave Jesus? There was nothing held back. That was everything. And, you know, if Jesus hadn't done what he did, or if he'd failed in his mission, we wouldn't be here today. But it wouldn't be failed because he is God. That's the only way it could be done. He's God. And he had to bear all of the stuff that we've done. And how many billion other people made it available for him anyway? Praise God. Yeah, he bankrupted heaven. He sure did. He gave his all. He didn't hold anything back when Jesus came. And, you know, it's, it, it's amazing to me these people that think, well, you know, uh, God just saves those he wants to save and doesn't save the ones he doesn't want to. The reason that this is so important to understand is because Jesus was given to help us to be walk through issues that we've had and to heal us of all of our past, to forgive all of our sins, to give us eternal life. And if that wasn't necessary, then you start talking to those people about evil, and they don't know how to talk about evil without saying God did it. That's really, really an error, if, as much as you can get. So I praise God that we have the opportunity to choose life. Open book test. Remember, you can choose life, you can choose death. It's your choice. God's not making you choose life, and he's not making you choose death. He's given us the choice, free moral agency. And we can choose that not only for our eternal life, but we can choose it every day. Because we make decisions every day. And I know this group at Church of Tomorrow makes the right ones every day. Hallelujah. But if you make a mistake, if you sin, then you have an advocate with the Father who will stand in your place in the courtroom of the universe and declare your righteousness before God when you've repented. I mean, it's better than we can think or imagine. Praise God. Praise God. Well, that's not my message, but that's an appetizer. <laughs> Hallelujah. We are talking about how near is the end. And I, I've got a couple of uh, things to repent over, I guess. Uh, you know, I told you last week, you know, this was supposed to be a two-part message, and it went to three. Well, it's supposed to be a three-part message, and we're going to four next week. <laughs> we got part three today. And the good thing is that in this message, it, it does connect to the previous weeks. So it's good to go back and pull off the internet part one, part two. They listen to them again. So they're readily available from our website or from our YouTube spot. So I want to encourage you to do that and read the scripture verses and look at them. And, you know, this is just an appetite you get here. Just an appetizer. So finish out the meat. 
this is something that's very important because the end is near. And I told you last week, I'm going to tell you today how near it is. And I may, if it's okay, I may slide that to next week. Is that okay? Okay, okay. Thank you for letting me off the hook there. Because I don't want to tell you on part three and then uh, then tell you part four. That doesn't make much sense, does it? Hallelujah. We are just going through the scriptures and just kind of reading them as they, they fall out, so to speak. So we're going to stop every now and then and, and make an, a comment. I want to stir you, stimulate you to wholesome thinking. And there's so many things that we're reading here. We can't possibly cover it all in our church service unless we want to start having six to 12 hour services. <laughs> but uh, it's here for you to, to see what's going on and to, to be able to put your eyes on it. And so how near is the end? Today, we're going to Matthew chapter 24, praise God. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you so much for you illuminating our understanding. Holy Spirit, come to us. You're the author. Show us what you wrote. Show us why you wrote it. Show us what you mean by it. Open our eyes and our hearts and our ears to hear, to see, to, to consider, and to understand your perfect word in the name of Jesus. And everybody said... Amen. Matthew chapter 24, Jesus left the temple and was walking away when his disciples came up to him. Who came up to him? Disciples. disciples, okay. Came up to him to call his attention to its buildings. Do you see all these things, they, he asked? Truly, I tell you, not one stone here will be left on another. Everyone will be thrown down. Now, verse 3, as Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives... There's been a little walk here, okay? The disciples, who came to him? The disciples came to him privately. So he's speaking to his disciples and no one else, right? Are you a disciple of Jesus? Okay. Tell us, they said, when will this happen and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? Well, you know, a lot of people have that question in their mind. A lot of people who know the Lord, a lot of people who don't know the Lord. You know, the, the, if you listen to the, the evolutionists and the atheists, those guys are so messed up. Oh, my goodness. Just b believe and they'll see the truth and get saved. They say some really funny things, you know, about you're, you're just, well, I'm an evolutionist, and I'm a realtist, and uh, I just know, you know, that everything is, is what it is, and if it's not... If you can't smell it or touch it or feel it, then it ain't there. And um, their brain works because there's chemicals in their brain. Well, how can you trust something like that? <laughs> how can you trust yourself to think the things you think if there's nothing but a bunch of chemicals up there? I mean, that's, that's kind of dumb, if you ask me. And I say that with true respect, all you atheists out there that listen today. Praise God. There's chemicals there, and they make me think these things. And that, oh, come on, come on. That is a cop-out if I ever heard it. And, uh, of course, some of you kind of act like that. But anyway, we'll move on. Tell us, they said, 
When will this happen? I know I'm reading it again for the second time. When will this all happen? And what will be the sign of your coming? And at the end of the age, Jesus answered, Watch out that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name claiming, I am the Messiah, and will deceive many. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see to it that you're not alarmed. See to it that you're not alarmed. Okay? Thank you for that one amen. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Okay? No rapture yet. They're still talking about it. There's still things going on. There's, these things are very important that we understand. And I know that listening, or excuse me, reading from one of Marie Woodworth Eder's sermons back about 115 years ago approximately, she was talking about how close the end was because of all the wars that were breaking out. There were a lot of wars at the turn of that century in either side of it, especially on the, 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 uh, the side that approaches World War I. More wars than they'd heard about, more wars than they'd known about before. But now if we go back and look at that, those smaller wars and things, we think, huh, no big deal. Y'all didn't have atom bombs. Oh, my gosh. Well, it's just going to scare me so much. What did he just get through saying? My gosh. Verse 7, nation will rise against nation. We see that very plainly today. And kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines. What are they prophesying right now on the worldly scene? We have famines in 2023. And earthquakes in various places, including Oklahoma when they started fracking. They got that handle now. <laughs> and these are the beginning. These are the beginning of birth pains. Verse 9, then you will be handed over to be persecuted and put to death. And you will be hated by all nations because of me. At that time, many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other. We're seeing glimpses of that right now, I think. Uh, we're seeing even people in Christendom, quote unquote, saying things and not getting along and not liking other people and wanting to be, you know, uh, more than just controversial. You don't know what you're talking about. You're going to hell. You're, you're not going to hell, but you, you know... Wow. Remember we read just recently about vain babblings? Those are, you know, people talking about stuff. Yeah. Arguments, complaining. Okay. Um, he said that, verse 11, and many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. You can see that on the, the, the scene pretty easily also. Now, I'm not saying that it's not going to get worse because I believe it will. And that's my opinion. The Bible says that there will, they will appear and deceive many people. Now, you can look at the false religions. You can look at the springs, the, the offshoots of true Christianity. You can look at things like progressive Christianity where people with good intentions don't know what they're talking about. And I'm just being honest. 
uh, you can see these things springing up away from Orthodox Christianity, away from what we've, we've known for 2,000 years. Verse 12, because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. But whoever stands firm till the end will be saved. So there are a lot of people and they're gonna they're not gonna walk in love. And right now we see a lot of indications of that. And the truth of the matter is, it's one sign of the end times. But, it's going to get a lot worse. Whoever stands firm till the end will be saved. Remember, he's talking to his disciples. Verse 14, and this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. So when you see, when you see did I say when you see? Okay, thank you. When you see standing in the holy place the abomination that causes desolation spoken of through the prophet Daniel, let the reader understand. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Great tribulation should cause Christians to run to the mountains. So what he's saying, preppers. Uh-huh. Thank you for that one, Amen. And uh, we believe that you need to be sensible and you need to do things by the wisdom of God, the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, but it wouldn't hurt if you had an extra can of beans in the cupboard. You may need them someday. <laughs> and it's not a waste of money because guess what? You're going to eat some beans sooner or later. <laughs> uh, verse 17 let no one on the housetop go down to take anything out of the house. Let no one in the field go back to get their cloak. How dreadful it will be in those days for pregnant women and nursing mothers. Pray that your flight will not take place in winter or in the Sabbath. For then there will be great distress, unequaled from the beginning of the world until now, and never to be equal again. Talking about some bad times. Verse 22, if those days had not been cut short, no one would survive. But for the sake of the elect, those days will be shortened. I want to say something about the elect. That's kind of misunderstood a lot. The Bible clearly says that many are called, few that are chosen. Okay. God would that everyone become saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. So everyone is called. And who's chosen? It's those who want to be chosen by receiving Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. That's the way it is. So many are called, broad-based statement. Few are chosen. God's chosen those who will bow their knee and confess their tongue is Jesus is Lord. That's what it's all about. That's not hard to understand, is it? Okay, thank you for that amen. 
It's not hard to understand. It's your choice. You can choose him or you can not choose him. And if you don't choose Jesus, then the truth of the matter is you reject Jesus. Is that plain enough? If you don't choose him, you reject him. Okay? So don't blame God when somebody goes to hell. God's just opening another door to another room for those people that don't want to live with him. And you take the presence of God out, then you have hell. We'll preach more about that on January 1. Because it's a doctrine that too many people have forgotten. It's true. I told Doc that the other day, and he says, that's a doctrine that just nobody preaches about anymore. I said, that's the reason I'm preaching it. We at Church of Tomorrow want to be owned. And it's true. I don't know about you, but when I found out about hell and knew the reality of it, and I saw that sin was sin, that scared the hell out of me. And I don't want anything to do with it. Nothing to do with it, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Verse 23, at that time, if anyone says to you, look, here is the Messiah, or there he is, do not believe it. For false messiahs and false prophets will appear and perform great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. Hmm. See, I have told you ahead of time. Okay? Okay, no rapture yet. Verse 26, so if anyone tells you, there he is, out in the wilderness, do not go out, or here he is in the inner rooms, do not believe it. For as lightning that comes from the east is visible even in the west, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. Wherever there is a carcass, there the vultures will gather. Now, here we have the preceding knowledge of the coming of the Lord. Now, the Son of Man, too many times we think the Son of Man is the, the man side of Jesus. And the Son of God is the God side. Well, first of all, there's no sides. Okay. He, he put away his deity, but he didn't lose it. He didn't put it down. He just didn't walk in it. Because he wanted to show us how we could walk. The signs that I do, he said, you should do also. And even greater signs because I go to be with my Father. That's what the Word of God says. Yeah. Okay? Daniel, that we read week one, Daniel chapter 12, talked about the Son of Man coming on the clouds. That's God. And then he's going to sit at the right hand of God the Father. And that's Jesus. That's when Jesus declared in, in Mark 13 that he was God. Don't let anybody tell you Jesus never said he was God. Every time he said he's the son of man, he was declaring he was God. Okay? He's declaring it right here in Matthew 24, that he's God. And that's a quote from the significance in Daniel chapter, 20, uh, chapter 12. All right, everybody with me on that? That's important. Jesus is God. And he spoke it and he said it. In fact, in, in uh, Mark 13, he said that, uh, that you'll see the Son of Man come in the clouds. And then, and then he talked about sitting at the right hand of God the Father. And he also said, I am. Uh-huh. Yeah. Who? You? I am that I am. 
God declared he is I am. Jesus declared at several places, I am. Okay? So don't ever let anybody tell you that Jesus never said he was God. It's all the way through the New Testament, time after time after time. You just have to read it in the Holy Ghost. You have to read it for what's there. If you stop and read and understand what you're reading, it'll show up for you. And it, it's all the way through there. So anytime somebody says, uh, Jesus never declared he was God, say, whoa, 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 wait a minute. How many times you read the Bible? Uh, well, I read uh, in uh, Sunday school uh, when I was eight years old, uh, I read uh, that Jesus wept. Well, he did. That's true. How much more did you read? <laughs> okay. So we have so many people that have all these preconceived ideas what the Word of God says without ever, ever having read the Word of God. Oh, my goodness. And, of course, now what are they saying? Well, it's been changed, and it's been this, and it's been that. They, there again, you haven't studied, you haven't read, you haven't seen how well it's been preserved. You don't know about the Dead Sea Scrolls. You don't know, you don't know, you don't know. You're shaving, sharing off your ignorance. And I use that word kindly, okay? And so I want you to, to know that the Bible talks about Jesus not only in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, but all the way from Genesis to Revelation and then into maps. <laughs> so praise God. Praise God. Amen. The Son of Man is Jesus. In fact, when he said that he was the Son of Man, guess what happened to him? He got crucified. Because who? The high priest. They knew what that meant. They knew he was quoting Daniel 12. That's the reason, remember the first message that he ever preached in, in Luke 4? The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted, preach deliverance to the captives, and set it free, those that are bruised. You know? Remember that? Okay. What was he doing? He was quoting Isaiah. Yeah. And he sat down in the chair that was reserved for my Messiah, saying he was Messiah, or showing he was Messiah. And they tried to kill him, but they couldn't hold on to him. He just kind of walked through them and, you know, one of those things. <laughs> but that's, that's two times for sure. One time we know they tried to kill him. One time we know they did because they didn't know what they were doing. If they had known what they were doing, they would not have done what they were doing. <laughs> I love the Bible. <laughs> Verse 29. Immediately after, after the distress of those days. The sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from the sky and the heavenly bodies will be shaken. Wow. There's a whole lot of stuff going on <laughs> at uh, one verse. Um, what do I know about it? Just what I read. <laughs> Turn out the lights. The party's over. <laughs> Verse 30, at that time, the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky, and all the peoples of the earth will mourn. They will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory, and he will send his angels with a loud trumpet call, 
and they will gather his elect from the four winds from one end of the heavens to the other. Post-trib rapture takes place. Verse 32. Now learn this. Learn this lesson from the fig tree. As soon as its twigs get tender and its leaves come out, you know that the summer is near. Even so, when you see all these things, you know that it is near right at your door. Truly, I tell you, this generation, the generation he's talking to, no, the generations that seen those things happen. Okay? Truly, I tell you, this generation will certainly not pass away until all these things have happened. Heaven and earth will pass away. Heaven and earth will pass away. Heaven and earth will pass away. But my words will never pass away. But about that day or hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. Remember that Jesus was speaking from a human perspective here. As it was in the days of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. What's he's talking about now? In the days of Noah, it will be like the coming of the Son of Man. For in the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, up to the day Noah entered the ark. In other words, they were all doing their own little thing. They were watching TV, playing on their smartphones, getting drunk. You name it. They were just doing whatever they wanted to do. He wouldn't have wiped them out if it was all good stuff. And they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them all away. Took them all away. All the bad people went away. That is how it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. Two men will be in the field. One will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding with a hand mill. One will be taken and the other left. Therefore, keep watch because you do not know on what day your Lord will come. But understand this, if the owner of the house had known at what time of night the thief was coming, he would have kept watch and would have not left his house to be broken into. So you also must be ready because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. Well, Pastor Dan, you're going to tell us something that be different in the Bible? No, I'm going to, I've got a different answer. I'm going to slide out of it, to be honest with you. <laughs> but I'm going to give you a couple of possibilities. Verse 45. Who then is the faithful and wise servant? Whom the master has put in charge of the servants in his household to give them their food at the proper time. It will be good for that servant whose master finds him doing so when he returns. Truly, I tell you, he will put him in charge of all his possessions. You're going to be ruling a city. It may have four people in it. It may have four billion. I don't know. But you're going to be ruling because we rule and reign with him. Praise God. You're going to have, you're going to work in heaven. But it's going to be fun work. The benefits are out of this world. <laughs> I thought that was funny. <laughs> the benefits were out of this world. Oh, me, moving right along. <laughs> uh, verse 48, but suppose that servant is wicked 
and says to himself, my master is staying away a long time. And then he begins to beat his fellow servants and to eat and drink with drunkards. The master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him. At an hour he is not aware of, he will cut him to pieces and assign him a place with the hypocrites where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. That is a picture of what will happen to people who are not ready to meet Jesus. You see, those who are the elect, those who have chosen to be chosen, will be looking for it with great anticipation. Great, G-R-E-A-T, anticipation. Great anticipation. Come on, Jesus, Maranatha. (laughs) But we have work to be done before then. We have many things to do. We have many people to touch. We have many people to share the truth with. Why are we doing this right before Christmas? We're doing it right before Christmas to stir you to be motivated to share with those that you love and care about and to share with those that you don't know and you still care about, which hopefully is just about everybody you see. Now let the Holy Ghost be the the lead and the guide. He'll show you. If you just ask him, Holy Spirit, would you give me a divine appointment today, a divine connection? And you know what? He will. He'll do it every time. You ask for 10, he'll give you 10. He's not slack concerning his promises. So praise God, be ready. It's the church of the living Jesus Christ that turns the world upside down. Not the Democrats, not the Republicans, not the Independents, not Washington, D.C., not even the capital in the state of Oklahoma. It's the gospel. That's right. He'll turn you upside down too if you'll just let him. But you have to accept his grace by believing that he is who he said he was. Jesus gave us a whole book full of tickets. One ticket says, new life. Another ticket says, forgiven. Another ticket says, eternal life. Another ticket says, abundant life. Another ticket says, deliverance. Another ticket says, physical healing. Another ticket says, mental health restored. Another ticket says, love. And one says joy, and one says peace, and we go on through the fruit of the Spirit and the manifestations of the Spirit and all of the truth in the Word of God. And what's about it, you take that ticket out of that book and spend it, and guess what? Oh, there's another one just took its place. It says the same thing. And another one, and another one, and another one, and another one. <laughs> there's no end to His mercies, to His grace to his love for you and his care for you and what he's already done and established and made available for us. He's given us a ticket book. And the question is, will we take advantage of the tickets in the ticket book so that we can be who he said we are? Who you are. 
a child of God. A peculiar people, yes. A holy priesthood, yes. You are a child of the living God who gave himself for you, who lets you breathe his air, who lets you walk and live and move and have your being in him, who lets you commune with him on the phone of heaven. Oh, my goodness gracious. We are so lackadaisical sometime in receiving the promises of God and what he's done to establish us in the body of Christ. He said, the gates of hell shall not prevail against my church. Oh, see, when you're in the church, you're in a fortress. You're in an area of protection, an area of security. And when you go out into the world, you may think you're leaving that fortress, but the covering of God is still all over you. The covering of God will not leave you. You can leave it, but it will not leave you. This is the life that I exalt the name of Jesus because he has done that. And he's given us this incredible key to unlock the door to heaven and walk through it. What's the old song? I'm a new creation. I'm a brand new man. Old things have passed away. <laughs> oh, I've been born again. Yeah. Never will forget that. Yeah, he didn't bring us this far to leave us. He didn't build his home inside to move away. He didn't teach us to swim that we would drown. Oh, my goodness gracious. That's my Jesus. That's the one that I know. See, I know the real one. I don't go for any phonies. And I'm not going to sit here or stand here or wherever I'm doing right now and preach to you a bunch of stuff. I'm not going to make you feel happy, clappy, and put your hand on your back and go, oh, it's so fun to be in church. I want to teach you the reality of who it is that you are in Christ and even more who Christ in you is. I want to share with you the glorious promises and praises of He who was and is and for more, evermore shall be. That's the Jesus Christ that I know. That's the Jesus Christ that we know at Church of Tomorrow. That's the Jesus Christ who is coming back, praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise Him. Hallelujah. He has forgiven us. Oh, some of us had some really big piles of unforgiveness and of sins and of transgressions and of iniquities and all that stuff piled high talk about the tire of Babel it was way up there but what did he do the old is gone the new has come I don't weigh 596 pounds anymore <laughs> with all the weight of sin Decredation and all the things that I had done wrong in my previous life. And when I say that, I'm talking about before I was born again, not a reincarnation deal. For those of you who are taking notes on YouTube, yes, amen. We need to open up our eyes, our spiritual eyes, and see the manifestation of the glory of God who has been given us as heirs of Christ Jesus. 
joint heirs, not sub heirs, joint heirs. Oh my goodness gracious. I almost went to preaching there. Hallelujah. You see, we've got the best thing going, and that's kind of a, an understanding. It's a little slight or a little light because it's so much better than we can think or imagine. And as Christians, we have the reality of having a personal walk with him. Personal walk with him. I don't have to come to church on Sunday morning to know him and to talk to him and to get my sins forgiven and to be able to get a fresh start every Sunday morning so I don't go to hell. That's not the gospel. The gospel is a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. We come to church because, number one, he says to. We also come to church that we may be edified, that we can be corrected, that we can share with each other, because all of us learn from each other. And all of us are encouraged with each other. And some people need more encouragement some days than others. Some people need to receive healing and they need a little help in the prayer uh, area and the faith boost. Then there's a gazillion more things that we do here at church. So we can see Pastor Kelly's bright and smiley face. You know, there's a lot of reasons that we come to church. Praise God. And we're together. It, it's a way that we communicate with each other and find each other and we talk to each other and we know that we're walking together and if you need something, then we'll try to get it together for you. That's what church is all about. That's the reality of the gospel. That's the reality of who Jesus made us. We always weren't that way. Hmm. Oh, you don't want me to go there? Okay, I won't then. But God has made us a new creation. And he's given us the opportunity to walk in him and talk in him. I, I just keep hearing Eden, 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 the Garden of Eden, before the fall. That's what God intended. And Eden's coming back. And it's going to be even greater than Eden. Oh, praise God. I wanted to close with something from Charles Spurgeon. Charles Spurgeon pastored a very large church when he was 19. Charles Spurgeon did not have the high rolling education with all the letters behind his name. He was a high school graduate. He was also called the Prince of Preachers because of his eloquent remarks that he made. That's a gift of God. Heaven is a place where we shall never sin, where we shall cease our constant watch against an indefatigable enemy. I even ran that word by Pastor Kelly a while ago, and he was just as dumb as me. It means extremely persistent. Our enemy is extremely persistent. Because there will be no tempter to ensnare our feet. The wicked cease from troubling, and the weary are at rest. 
Heaven is the undefiled inheritance. It's the land of perfect holiness and therefore of complete security. But do not the saints even on earth sometimes taste the joys of blissful security? The doctrine of God's word is that all who are in union with the Lamb are safe. That all the righteous shall hold on their way. That those who have committed their souls to the keeping of Christ shall find him a faithful and immutable preserver. Sustained by such a doctrine, we can enjoy security even on earth. Not that high and glorious security which renders us free from every slip, but that holy security which arises from the sure promises of Jesus that none who believe in him shall ever perish, but shall be with him where he is. Believer, let us often reflect with joy on the doctrine of the perseverance of the saints and honor the faithfulness of our God by a holy confidence in him. May our God bring home to you a sense of your safety in Christ Jesus. May he assure you that your name is graven in his hand and whisper in your ear the promise, fear not, I am with you. Look upon him, the great surety of the covenant is faithful and true and therefore bound and engaged to present you the weakest of the family, with all the chosen race before the throne of God. And in such sweet contemplation, you will drink the juice of the spiced wine of the Lord's pomegranate and taste the dainty fruits of paradise. You will have an antipost of the enjoyments which ravish the souls of the perfect saints above. Antipost is like a an appetizer gives you a taste it's not the meal it's an appetizer of so that you'll be (laughs) ready for the meal okay you have an antipost of the enjoyments which ravish the souls of the perfect saints above if you can believe with unstaggering faith that faithful is he that calls you who will also do it Folks, don't be, uh, don't be discouraged or taken uh, off course when the devil tells you something. Because when he tells it to you, you'll know it's the devil and you know it's a lie. And say, thank you, Mr. Devil. Now I know what the truth is for sure. You've just confirmed it. You've confirmed the word of God. Because you're saying the opposite thing, so I know that that's you and I know that that's a confirmation of God's word in my life. Oh, praise God. Praise God. My little, uh, barely over a month old great-grandson was in ICU the other day. And I has one of these childlike respiratory things. It's a, it's a virus. And, you know, he's, his name is Isaiah. It means... The same thing that Joshua does. The Lord, my salvation. Little kid's got a calling on his life from the womb. And the devil brought this thing on him where he couldn't breathe. 
And I sent a text out to a couple of people, and they prayed, and of course I prayed. He's doing so much better. And you know, to see that little infant there, and he's struggling for life, but then he starts getting breathing better, and they took him off the, 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 some kind of a heavy-duty oxygen and put him on the regular one. I believe he'll be moving today into the normal hospital care rather than ICU or P, PICU, pediatric. You know, the devil tries to tell you all kinds of things. Don't you listen to that rat? He's not worthy. He's not worthy of your time, your trouble. He'll tell you all kinds of things. But he always overplays his hand. And he keeps coming and you keep resisting him. You keep standing against him. You kick him in the butt. And guess what? He'll come back and he'll come back and he'll come back and he'll come back. And you keep on kicking him and kicking him and kicking him and speaking the word of God to him. You know what? He has to flee. Praise God. And he did. Praise God. In every situation, don't let the devil get you off your God-given course. Mm-hmm. I was talking to a friend the other day, and he even just started rattling off at times that the devil tried to kill him. I mean, one after the other, after the other, after the other, after the other, after the other. He says, you know, he couldn't do it. He couldn't do it. Because people are standing in agreement with you today, with you today, if you allow us, and we're being filled with God's Word. We're filled with God's Spirit. We're encouraging each other, sharing with each other, praying with each other. We know that our hope is sure. And we know that Jesus Christ, in Him we are secure. Whosoever shall believe put their trust in Jesus Christ. Right now, if there's anyone here in this room today that needs Jesus Christ as to be Lord and Savior or to reacquaint your fellowship with Him, I would like for you to raise your hand real high and big. If you're on YouTube or our website, Get your hand up wherever you are. You need Jesus. I said, you need Jesus. You have to trust him, and you'll find it's the best walk you could ever have. And we're going to pray a prayer. And if you really mean it, if you really pray for it, we're going to declare you a brother or sister in the Lord. Now, there's some things you need to do, but you need to put your trust in Jesus. That's where it all boils down to. And you need to repent. You need to ask God to forgive you and turn around and he'll help you that walk. And you're not going to be perfect, but he does clean the fish up. Okay? So you just need to present yourself to him and listen to him and read his word. Getting a good word preaching church like Church of Tomorrow, 6800 North Bryant, Oklahoma City, US of A, 73121. Right where 44 and I-35 come together. And you'll find that new life is more than you ever thought or imagined with him. Let us all pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for life in Jesus Christ. We thank you for your word, which brings life, which brings truth, which brings all the necessities that we need in this life today. As Holy Spirit shows us, leads us, guides us, brings revelation. And as we share with each other the living word of God. Father, for each person 
the sound of this right now that wants to make you the boss of their life, that would put their trust in Jesus and his death, burial, and resurrection for forgiveness of sins, and they're ready to turn things around in their life by following you and listening to you. Thank you, Lord God, that we now pray this prayer in faith, knowing that you answer in faith to us in Jesus' name. Would you just repeat after me these words? Dear God in heaven, I ask you to forgive me of the sins, the transgressions, and the iniquities. I need your help. I need deliverance from the old. And I want to make Jesus the Lord of my life. And right now I do exactly that. Jesus, be my boss. I want to listen to you. I want to know you. And thank you for knowing me. I regret the old, but I receive the new. And by grace and faith in you and your word, I give up and give it all to you. Thank you for saving me. It's in your name, Jesus, that I pray. Thank you for the gift of eternal life and all the blessings that go with it. Love you, Jesus. Amen and amen. Praise God. Praise God. Pastor Kelly. Uh, others have come into the kingdom for such a time as this. Yes? Hallelujah. I think God's word says that uh, there is a, a party that goes on in heaven over the one who comes to know him. Hallelujah. Maybe there have been a few parties around, okay, because of you or someone around you who's uh, brought uh, um, someone to, to faith in Christ Jesus. Yeah? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, in John chapter 316, we know it very well. Someone want to like to share it? Whosoever won't perish, won't perish, but have everlasting life. And one of the first words that I've come across through the years if I've looked over that scripture is give. For, for God so loved the world that what? He gave. He so loved that he gave, okay? You know, out of that spirit of, of, of love, okay, that love that God gives, that foundation of love, it releases you, it stirs you to want to give. You want to give out in every capacity, in every arena of your life. Because of what he's done for you, you want to give, Hallelujah. You give your finances, you give your time, you give your love, you give whatever it is. This is a great time of giving. You know, Christmas and the commercialism, not too, quite too sure about all that part. But, but uh, it is a season, okay, where we focus even more so on, on giving. Hallelujah. Yeah. And, and so uh, I wanted to share something also from Charles Spurgeon. <laughs> Uh, he said something else dealing with giving. He says, even if I were to give the whole of my worth to him, he will find a way to give back to me much more than I gave. Yeah. 
So you give everything, you give financially in all the other areas. He will always give back more, which goes right along with Scripture in Luke 6.38. Give and what? It'll be given back to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be poured into your lap. You'll always get back more than what you give because that is our God. And he is a God of love. And that foundation of love releases and stirs and activates us to give. Hallelujah. Amen? So give today. Okay? Give financially. But just give. Hallelujah. Give of your life. Amen? Look at your neighbor and say, give. I want to bring attention to the drop box at the back of the auditorium. The slides that are on the screen where we have ways of giving through texting and through online. And then, of course, the envelope there in the back. Some other announcements that we have. Uh, this is our last Wednesday uh, for the Life of the Spirit series. Uh, come. They have been very powerful, very enjoyable. Okay, And we don't want you to miss out on that. And then two days later, everyone say two days later. And it's not actually two days later. It's actually next week. On the 23rd. Everyone say the 23rd. That's a Friday, okay? Friday night, and we're going to, at 6 p.m., we're going to have worship and communion. We're going to celebrate the Savior's arrival with a candlelight service. Don't want you to miss out on that. And then uh, that following Sunday, the 25th of December, that sounds like a, a date I should remember. Did you know that there are people who don't know that Christmas happens on the same day every single year? <laughs> it's always the same day every year. And then there are some holidays like Thanksgiving that aren't on the same day every year. So, yeah, we have to always look at the calendar, don't we? But on the 25th, it happens on the Sunday this year. Therefore, we'll have no Christmas. We'll have no service on Christmas Day. Okay, spend it with your family. And then also we want to uh, recognize birthdays that happen in, in December. And we have recorded one, okay? And so, uh, Mr. Chris Lewis, would you take a stand, please? Now, his was on the first a few days ago, okay? But we want to celebrate. Happy birthday to you, sir. <laughs> Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy Dear Chris, happy birthday to you. <laughs> we appreciate each and every person. Okay. Carol, would you take a few minutes? Yes. yes. So all you women who got out your phone to text to give, um, pull your phones out. Right now, pull your phones out. My phone number is... 405-830-4217. And the invitation asks you to text Carol with a head count. 405-830, don't act like you're doing it, do it. 405-830-4217. Text Carol, RSVP, and the number that are coming that you're aware of, Friday night, it's this Friday, 6.30, Women of Tomorrow. Um, I need to know your number in my phone because you have to have my number to get into the area the party is at. So 6.30, 
won't be, won't work. <laughs> so um, we want to love on you. We want to bless you going into the final days before Christmas and the end of the year. So text me, 405-830-4217. Carol, RSVP, number that are coming. And we'll look forward to loving you. Amen. Let's stand. Hallelujah. We so appreciate having you this morning. Okay. It's important that you're here. Your supply is powerful. Hallelujah. Let's bow our heads. Father, we thank you and bless you, Father, for the word that has gone forth today, for the gathering together of your people. Father, your word says to not forsake the gathering together of your people. So, Father, we thank you for the opportunity of a corporate time, lifting up your name, glorifying you, hearing your word, responding, Father, to it. We just thank you that we carry this word now, Father. Release it as your Holy Spirit unctions us through this week. May we be life, light, love, hope, all the character of Christ Jesus to others who are around us as we go our ways, Father. And we thank you and praise you for the results of it. And if you're in agreement with it, say amen. 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 Go in the grace and the power and the peace of God. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. If you need prayer, we're up here to pray with you.